Welcome back everybody to Sports Focus. I'm your host Frank. I know it has been a long, long time since we last did a show. We've been trying to get our sound fixed, you know, trying to make everything sound crispy for the audience. You know, so now um we've been recording but we've just not been posting because the sound hasn't been as good as we'd like it to be. Uh, but yeah, hopefully um we get it right and uh yeah so today i am with um a very popular guest in the sports focus family i'm with david david Alpha. yeah i'm doing okay uh, good day guys uh, hope you guys have been fine and enjoying football and life generally good to be back yeah yeah of course so now we're going to do a little bit of catch up you know to sort of get to most of the things we missed um, we did do editing during the transfer period which quite frankly was sad for me because we did a few we just couldn't pull because of the sound um obviously the other message to PSG and all that but we are going to concentrate on Cristiano Ronaldo's move to Manchester United um what does that mean for Manchester United as a team and what expectations come with you know the presence of Ronaldo on that team? Yeah, surely you get a lot of things with Ronaldo. You get a winner, you get a leader, you get a motivator, someone that you can look up to, like for the young players, for every player in general. Everybody's a young player, so Ronaldo, wherever he is, is the boss, and you're a young player. So yeah, it brings a lot to my United, makes them contenders for all tournaments and competitions for me, and. Um, Hopefully, it, it becomes a good story. Should, I don't want it to become a sad story where you say, oh, Ronaldo was dead and people start watching him and bashing him for my United's failures. But yeah, hopefully, it becomes, it becomes a, a story where Ronaldo comes in and actually wins things for them and um, makes the Premier League more exciting. Because obviously, the signing of Ronaldo now makes the Premier League more exciting to watch. Uh, Man United could yeah. be playing, say, Brighton or playing Burnley, and I would still feel like watching the match because there's Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. So, like, um, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo is 36. He's not the kind of player he was when he first came to Manchester United. He actually could be better if, if that's possible the amount of goals he scored the amount of goals he will score you mentioned you don't want it to be a sad story so far it has not been at least for from a personal perspective um he has scored four goals in three games you know so he's still getting into the right positions he's still very sharp in front of goal um everybody's still waiting for uh, the typical ronaldo header which i think will come Obviously, Manchester United don't have a lot of crossers in the team and all that. But let's let's um try and analyze the tactical aspect of the game because Ronaldo's transition into being a scorer um was sort of assisted by the kind of players he played with. Whether it was Karim Benzema at Madrid being able to sort of default to Ronaldo. Karim Benzema would, you know, defect, I mean, to, to Ronaldo, play on the left side or go into midfield just to allow Ronaldo more of a presence in the central areas of the pitch. You know, that trend continued with him at, at Juventus. Sometimes you would see the starting lineup with him on the left, Morata down the middle. But those players, Morata with the ability to hold up the ball and let Ronaldo make, make runs in behind. 
Do you think that is something Manchester United should try to use him? Because in the three games he's played, he's not been used in that manner. He's played down the middle with little to no rotation and with the front players. Do you think that rotation, that freedom, um, that freedom should be something they should give to Ronaldo? Yeah, um, obviously. Um, first of all, I, I, I think they should probably use Ronaldo to his full strength. And uh, for me, his full strengths are like going straight down the middle. Because like, you talked about his transition from a winger to an, to a striker, an out-and-out and out, um, striker in the past year. That I, I think it's going to provide more and give more to the team when he plays um, down the middle because oh, oh, obviously he started as a, as a winger so he still has the traits to always drift wide and come into from the left side yeah. and still likes yeah. to move around but for me like he still has to um, play down the the center and also uh, my united don't have a coach that um, should that is so inclined tactically to to actually implement what we're talking about here because it takes like first of all it takes you having the personnel that is the types of players like that exactly. is implemented with him because then in Madrid they had Benzema a very intelligent player lovely to watch and we had also Morata might not be the best of players but still had the a certain a certain um, intelligence when it comes to implementing like some types of some style of plays and in my United you could say he has that in Rashford but currently we don't have Rashford so I think for now for the meantime it should just go on like go on playing like down the center and hopefully the goals keep coming in yeah yeah you mentioned Rashford I think when Rashford comes back it becomes it could be a little bit more natural for the both of them to you know do this switch switch up and uh, thing but you also took a shot at, at Ole uh, his inability to affect the game tactically he sort of like rides the wave with his players he plays his best players and hopes that those best players play to their best ability without really trying to create ways you know to get easy goals or, or create easy chances and, and look talking about Ole could take up a whole show but we have a lot to talk about um so yeah i mean i agree with you uh for the most part which is ronaldo should stay down the middle that is where he's going to be the most effective for Manchester United. I'm going to move on to another team in England, which I think at this moment could be the best team in England. Uh, that is that is Chelsea. Now I have not always been um, the biggest Chelsea cheerleader. Uh, obviously, coming into this season, I felt Manchester City were the best team. I still think, in terms of personnel, um, quality. I mean, individual quality on the team and coach coaching, I think Man City might, might just edge them. But there is a certain level of ease to which Chelsea play that is, is scary. And I just want us to talk about that a little. What do you think? What's your thoughts on Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. Firstly, you know, we spoke about Chelsea a few days ago and you were not in our court yet because I... Disclaimer, I'm a part of the Chelsea <laughs> court, the Lukaku slash Chelsea court, and I'm an Arsenal fan, so I don't, you can't blame me, I need something to be happy about. So, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea has been beautiful. Uh, they, they, they started the whole process since Tuchel came in, 
before he came in because he got in the right players and Tuchel came in and it all gelled the defenders as a unit, the attack as a unit. And I think in the general overview, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea for me, I more complete team because I you you could argue that Manchester City has the personnel because I don't think any club in the world matches Man City in terms of man-to-man players comparison because they have world-class players in yeah. their positions. They have they have, they have world-class players sitting on the bench for God's sake. So I don't think you can compare any team directly to Manchester City when it comes to individual qualities. But football is not a, an individual game. Football is a game of teamwork tactics. And I think teamwork wins your games as compared to um, 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 individual like players and individual qualities. And that's what Chelsea have. Chelsea could play the same way and actually perform at the same uh, level, whilst uh, having not might not they might not be having the best players on the pitch. They might not be having their top players, and they will still perform well. They, they, they didn't have a, 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 a an out and out scorer last season. And they went on to win the Champions League and actually performed well in the Premier League. Imagine Jorginho being your highest goal scorer and you are winning the Champions League. So it's it's beautiful to see Chelsea, and I'm proud because I like good football. Before being an Arsenal fan, I love football. So I I love seeing good football and seeing teams actually perform well. That's what Chelsea have for me. For me, they are the best in in, in the Premier League, and else they could be the best in Europe. I think they are, maybe or maybe not, but I feel they are. I mean, be, be, best in Europe is, is a bit of a stretch. There is a team. But you know, they actually are the best. Currently, they are the champions, so they are the best. Okay, okay. You're a Chelsea fan now. No, I see, I'm a Londoner. I'm a Londoner. Okay, okay, see, I'm going to say this Chelsea have the best defense I've seen since i started watching football and it's not close now and see see where i have not a problem but this is what marvels me about chelsea is there is no particular player on their defensive line let's call it a five-man defensive line that is a world beater i mean marcos alonso is someone that you look to exploit when you come into a game because a lot of the talks about him is that he's good on the ball he can score goals he's very good with his delivery we saw that with the corner kick he took um, um, in the last game against Tottenham, but he is not a good defender. They have Thiago Silva, who, I mean, is probably working on crutches every other place apart from in the field. They have Christensen, who the knock on him has been he's not physical enough, he's not quick enough. And Rudiger is a player that Chelsea have had for like two years and was not really this effective until Tukel came. Obviously, Rhys James should be the younger, fitter, and like most consistent defender on the line, but he's not been there because of the red card, so they're playing Aspie. So you look at those five players I just mentioned, and there is no particular player that you are scared of. There is no Van Dijk in the team, there is no Ruben Diaz, there is no Varane. But is the organization, like the whole team, defends so well. It's frustrating and you hardly f- create chances against Chelsea. I think once they sit back, they are so organized at moving from left to right. All those switch of plays don't catch them off guard. There is no spaces in the middle for you to exploit. And they are just, they find ways to outnumber you. 
defensively and make it difficult for you to break them down. They can also attack you and press you high up the field. It, it's, it's the ease in which they do it that is fascinating for me. When they are with the ball, they are very patient. They never make too many mistakes. And like you said last season, they won the Champions League basically without a striker. I, look, I've said it before. Chelsea are the best team in Europe. But unfortunately, the team that Timo Werner plays for. Because if there are three things in life that we are certain, is death, taxes, and Timo Werner will miss a chance. <laughs> I mean, he still, you know, he came on against Tottenham and showed himself. He reminded us who he was. came and missed like two easy chances. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. That, that, that is who Timo Werner is right now. But now they have Lukaku, who I think bar... Lewandowski and the madman that is Erling Haaland, there probably is no striker in the world better than him. Um, obviously, we are not counting Ronaldo as a striker, but I'm not sure there is any striker that is better than Lukaku in the world at the moment. So they have, they have one of the best strikers in the world, and the team is just so complete and it's easy what they do. It's it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, because uh, it's 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 a beautiful thing um Tuchel has been able to build. I think I don't think it's been there for more than a year. Was it even been been there for a year? I really doubt that. He's not been there for a year. He took the job in January of this year, and he's been able to build something so strong. And it's it's such such a wonderful sight as as a football lover. It's such a wonderful sight and. Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, at this moment now, because I think they're already at the sky, so I don't think the sky is their limit anymore. So I think probably um, Pluto, <laughs> Pluto is their limit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, because the, once again, no time. So we have to, like, I, it, we have to do our due diligence for the rest of the teams because, like, we are not in any way saying that Man City, Liverpool, or Manchester United are bad teams. But Chelsea make it look so easy in the way they play. Like, I was talking with somebody about Chelsea and I said, Chelsea can beat you by five goals without scoring five goals. A Chelsea game could end 2-0 and look like it ended 5-0. They take so much control of the game. They are hardly pressured and they win so comfortably. It's one after two. But let's do our due diligence. Liverpool. Are we sleeping on Liverpool because they have Van Dijk back now? They are one of the only three teams to have considered just one goal in the league. Man City and Chelsea are the other team. And then, um, you know, Mohamed Salah is doing Mohamed Salah-like things. Jota, I think, is finally replaced Firmino because of his just more of a goal-scoring threat. Are we sleeping on Liverpool this season? I, I, think, I think we are sleeping on them and we are right to sleep on them because Liverpool are not offering anything different. I think they, they really made a, a, a big mistake in the transfer windows. I, I think they should have replaced um, Ronaldum. Like personally, there was nobody they actually gotten that was a direct replacement to Ronaldum. It's someone they will really miss. I think Avelius was a prospect, but since he's injured now, the creative flair for midfield yeah, has been lost. So uh, we are sleeping on Liverpool, rightly so. But I don't think we are wrong to sleep on them. They've had a good start to the season. They, I think they've only considered once against the Chelsea. Against Chelsea, yeah, yeah. they've been good. But I think in the long run, they they are not for me. Say up there as contenders for um, the tournaments they are in. Okay, so I mean, a team that's considered once is not there for you as contenders. That's nice. Okay, so let's go uh, to the other teams. Manchester City. Now, see, I have 
a slight over of Manchester City. And, and look, I, I've heard this from, from a lot of people. Probably Pep Guardiola, I, I think he's going to go on a break when his contract is, is done next season. So he probably is concentrated on the Champions League. I don't know if that's an excuse, but Kevin De Bruyne has not played up to 45 minutes of football in the Premier League this season. And they have played five games. I think five games now. That 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 that's that is wrong. That is wrong. You have to pay, play your best players. And you know we talked about Man City and we talked about the quality they have on their team. So they are one of the few teams that can do without their best player players. But at the same time, this is the best team in the, this is the best league in the world. You have to play your best players to win. I believe if if Kevin De Bruyne started they should have been able to beat Southampton. Southampton is not a good team. They're not going to be a good team this season. But there is something about the way they've been playing this season that I feel like maybe there is more concentration on winning that Champions League. Because let's remember, Pep Guardiola has not won the Champions League since he left Barcelona. So for him, winning the Champions League with Man City would mean a whole lot than probably the time that he won it with a player who a lot of people regard to as the best player in the world. So Manchester City, um, yeah, w- w- what, do you, what do you take on them? Yeah, surely. Um, I think Pep needs to actually concentrate on the prim- on the Champions League, sorry. Um, not because he's, he's, it's, it is the right thing to do, but because I, I think he, Pep, Pep always wants to prove himself. And I think he wants to prove that he can win the Champions League with Man City. But I, I don't think that that should be why... Um, De Bruyne has been out of them, his teams in the Premier League. I think De Bruyne came back. I think he's recovering from an injury, and he's been trying to get fit um, to actually get a like, game time. I don't know if he played in the Champions League. Did he play in the Champions League? Did he play the game? Yeah, he started. He started the Champions League game. He started the Champions League game. Uh, I think he's trying to ease him in. And with Man City, like you said, they are so good that you won't even notice um, De Bruyne. Fine, you would notice like in some aspects, but when you look at the game holistically, you would not really notice that someone is missing because yeah, yeah. they are so good yeah, and yeah. they have like so much quality in it. So, Man City, even as we are supposedly saying that um, it's comp- um, Pep is concentrating more on the prim- on the Champions League, they are still a threat. They are still a, they are still contenders for the um, for the um, Premier League title because I think last season they just nonchalantly won the Premier League and. Yeah just took it away like that and it was such a <laughs> such an arrogant thing to do because yeah. i think they were bad for most part of the season and suddenly just came up with i'm just let me just win this premier league again and yeah. he went on to do it so they are always going to be a threat the last team that i think everybody is in the projected top four is manchester united what do you think is their hindrance why are they not better than chelsea because they do have the best player. Sure, they have the best player in the world and they have the worst coach in the Premier League for me. I think is Sean Dyche would be a better manager for, me, for Manchester United. And I think it is a last it is a lack of vision. Honestly, it's a lack of vision and ambition for you to have such a star studded um, squad and still have Ole as a coach. Like you are driving you are you're you are with a Ferrari, then your tires are like this Kekena Pep's tires, like, why do that? You're going to, to crash. That's what Ole is. Ole is a Kekena Pep tire. 
Yeah, because uh, because <laughs> oh, because when you look at that team, in, not only on not say only on paper, but on how they perform on their own. Because I don't think only coaches them. I think they just come out and play football. How they perform on their own? They, they play well, and you you need someone that could come in and just tell these guys what to do. Imagine having issues in midfield with the players they have. Imagine Van de Beek not being able to play in your team. You you should for you to be a coach for you to be a coach. At this level, at this level, at Manchester United, with the best player in the world in your team, you should have a level of expertise. And only for me, does not have that. Doesn't have that. For those that don't know, I'm a Man U fan, and David takes his time and enjoys taking all these subtle jabs at Manchester United every time, every chance he has. Um, I, yeah, I, see, I I talked with Anthony yesterday night. Shameless name drop. Um, and he's convinced Manchester United have the best team in the world. His logic is, if Bruno Fernandes can carry Manchester United to his second place finish last season, and you add, arguably, the best player to have ever played the game, what is stopping Manchester United from being the best team in the world? But I agree with you, the manager. The manager, quite frankly, is the problem at the moment. And um, yeah, we are going to leave that for that because we have a lot of other things to get to. Wreathed in red, restored to this great gallery of the game, a walking work of art, vintage, beyond valuation, beyond forgery or imitation, 18 years since that trembling teenager of touch and tease first tiptoed onto this storied stage, now in his immaculate maturity, CR7 reunited. So, um, what is the mood around Arsenal now? Obviously, coming off two back-to-back wins and all that, you guys have to be winning the league now, yes? Yeah, I think we're just taking the pace now because... Um, Obviously, 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 you can't call one nil wins against Norwich and Burnley back to back wins. That that that's just shameless <laughs> because this were no wins. This yeah, were just, just let my people I'm go. Just, I'm, I'm just, just saying two two wins, two clean sheets. That's a very good defensive team there. You know why not win the league? Probably win Champions League too. You know in your guys' dreams. Come on, come on. First of all, I have to welcome you guys to the Arsenal therapy session where I let out my ads about the uh, azul and buzzles and troubles of Arsenal fan uh, football club. Uh, fan club. Yeah, Arsenal. Oh, okay, we are, going to, we are going to pretend that hazels and bustles is a real word. Yeah, surely. As an Arsenal fan, you, you tend to lose and focus on reality. You don't know what is right or wrong. So permit me, please. I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot lately. <laughs> Yeah, Arsenal currently is um, a sad case, a sad story because we can't possibly win games. Okay, we've won two games now, sadly, shamelessly. Um, we can't score goals, and I think that is the deeper problem for me. I'm not concerned about how we've been poor and how we've been losing. I'm more concerned about 
how to score goals because goals win you matches and we can't seem to score goals and i'm not saying it in the sense that oh our defense is so perfect and we don't concede goals we concede goals and i think the norwich and the bondi games were won by luck if they were better teams, if they had a better forward or attack line and better midfielders, we would have lost these games and we are struggling against the worst teams. So what happens when we face better teams? I don't see us being beating teams like Brighton, teams like Leeds, teams like Newcastle for God's sake. I think that's how bad it is for the ass for the team now because there is no will, there is no desire, there is no chances no goals and you can't win games without goals honestly okay okay so you you keep saying no goals no goals no goals are you advocating for lacazette to come back into the team or a change of system in midfield where you guys create more chances because if you look at the personnel that starts the games with odegaard and smith Rowe and saka and pepe and then Aubameyang. The only person that is going to get you goals is Aubameyang. Now, Nicolas Pepe obviously had a fantastic season in Lille before Arsenal signed him. He has turned out to be nothing of that since he came to the Premier League. Bukayo Saka creates chances, he beats players, but the end product is not there. Are you advocating for Lacazette to come back into the team or to change the shape in midfield, find a way to maybe get more goal scorers on the team uh, i think it's a let that go because he's such a narcissistic annoying human being who thinks he knows it all and that's why we are currently oh. feeling because, oh. because you know you, you talked about pepe pepe is actually a decent player he's uh, above average because we saw that in Leo, where while he was at leon Aubameyang is before coming to us now was very imagine outscoring Lewandowski in 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 the German and Bundesliga. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, he, it was actually that good. He and he's now his shadow of himself. I think it's, it all comes down to poor player management. And I, I, I don't think Ateta has that. He doesn't have that. I, I I don't know what it is exactly. The whole team is in shambles. Midlanders wanted to leave. Then the next week he was starting the game for us. So what exactly is happening in the team? It's just a mess. So I don't think it's a change of system or a change of um, formations again. It has to be a change of managerial personnel. And I think that for me isn't it anymore. Okay, so I was going to ask you as my follow-up to all this, how confident you are in you guys finishing in a European competition spot. And I don't mean Champions League because I think the two of us can predict which teams will be in the top four. But from five, six, seven, I think seven, seven goes to to the Europa or to the new Europa Conference League um competitions. The Conference League, yeah, seven goes to the Conference League. I was going to ask you how confident um, you are in in Arsenal finishing in the top seven position. Yeah. Do you see that happen? No, I don't see that happen at all. Arsenal doesn't finish in the top 10 if they keep playing like this because there's only so much teams you can just make oh. one lucky goal in and win. It isn't, football isn't a game of, oh, you depend on luck. Fine, you could get lucky and win games, but you need to actually be good. And Arsenal currently isn't good. I don't see them finishing in the top 10 if they go on like this. And I'm an Arsenal fan and it's difficult for me to say this. But the hard truth, Arsenal are not going to finish in the top 10 if they keep going like this. When you think about it and start listing teams that are better than them, then you realize that Arsenal is in big soup. 
I'm listening to you and there's almost confusion i want to use the word when it comes to figuring out what exactly is the problem with us now because of the way they started playing on that as a you know winning that fa cup beating i think it was liverpool or was it man city in the community shield game um the season after that and the drop off has been so drastic it's confusing it's like why the same set of players the same coach but the results are just not coming anymore anyway i think the fact of the matter is this arsenal are just not a good team anymore the the thing is we talk about arsenal like they have players that are actually bad and that is not the reality we actually have good players arsenal has like very decent players when you look at the team sheet and you compare it to what they actually perform then the problem and the issues are right i think football is more than coaching and tactics. I think it, 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 it also entails a lot of man management. At that for me, because I follow a lot of media and you see he's always having issues with a player, he's either he's having issues with a player or they are not understanding what he wants, there is no communicating exactly like for them to understand and things like that would surely affect the game. The players might be good but uh, at the end of the day when there is no feeling of like cohesion or unity the, the team will surely perform badly and poorly oh well okay so that being said um you think what's your typical because what i'm hearing is um norwich um watford and Arsenal will be relegated okay that's nice that's fine you will stop that I think that's best. Way, <clears throat> sorry, I think that's best way to transition because we have we started, you know, the show talking about one of the greatest players ever in Ronaldo, and it's only befitting to end it talking about one of the almost greatest player ever in Adama. Now, <laughs> what is up with oh, you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Adama is a great player. Let's uh, respect Adama. That was, that was funny. That was funny. See, what is wrong with Adama? Like, I mean, we are not going to spend so much time here, but he is probably the scariest player in the Premier League to come up against one-on-one. He's strong, he's fast, he's big, and then he still has like a combination of skill, skill, like he can be tricky, his touch is actually really nice, but there is no end product whatsoever. What's up with the guy? No, there's a saying that big guys are always very stupid or dumb. I think there's a problem with that drama. Oh. I, <laughs> I think we have a friend, I'm not going to call any names, very big and just stupid. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Adama is. I, I think he has been. He has been this way like right from time. But I don't think he has ever been this bad. I'm so confused. I don't even know what to say. I watch him and I just get. He just does the same things over and over again. Just dribble, go towards the flag and cross. Shit, <laughs> it's just been. Yeah, I mean, it has to be frustrating for Wolves because he gets past players so easily. Like I think he. Is he has he completed the most takeoffs in the Premier League? The second, I think, should be Saint Maximum, which, quite frankly, is just another Adama Traore. I mean, I mean, but the end product is not there. We saw um, Nuno last season bench him, and I kept on asking myself, why are you benching this guy? Because every time he comes off the bench, he's beating players, he's shrugging tackles off, you know, he's going towards the corner flag, and then he's crossing the ball all the way to the other side. 
to the opposing fans. I mean, I, it, it must be frustrated uh, to, to coach Adama Traore because there's a lot of talent there, but, you know, there's just very little end product. I actually want, I just hope um, it is just a one-time thing. Maybe it will just pass over. It's having a phase, but he's an exciting player. But being an exciting player, you still want to get goals and get assists and at least help your team. Because currently, it's been a, it's a, it's a liability. It's not helping the team. Let's now really talk about the other great player, uh, which is Messi, because um, PSG yesterday played Lyon and they won 2 1. So, why are we talking about Messi? They are talking about it because he scored the winner. No, that's not why. They are talking about it because. <laughs> I think I was it because he was substituted in the second half and then he seemed to sort of. Ignore Pochettino while he was walking to the bench. Um, should this be a problem? Um, I think personally, uh, it's going to be a big problem for Pochettino because Messi has always had it in him to always be angry and not happy when things don't go, don't go like for him. They don't go according to his own plans or what he wants. Um, Poch, Pochettino um, took him off yesterday and I think he was right to do so. I didn't watch the match but from what I saw, immediately he went off, they started scoring goals and they actually won the match in the end. So he should look beyond himself and actually look to help the team. But obviously you can't bench Messi and if you want to be helping the team. There was no need to sign him if you are going to bench him. But he, should, he should find a way, he should just find a way. To be honest, anybody of the caliber of Messi is not happy one when they are subbed and when you sub them when they are losing. So like the frustration of being subbed off, I understand. I, I'm not taking it as far as you, you know, calling Messi a, a baby and that he's a diva and throwing tantrums. That's just you hating. I just hate it. No, no, but we've seen but, we've seen this happen before. Um, Maybe not at this kind not at this extent but in greater extents and greater um, events it has happened before yeah yeah, yeah. And like i said he's he's the kind of player that believes he's going to be the one to change the game so when his team is losing or drawing or whatever it was he wants to be the one that scores the winning goal or gets the assist for the winning goal so like the frustration i understand um um pochettino did say after the game that he took him off because he was trying to protect him. I think he was feeling his knee at some point in the game, so he 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 was taking him off because he didn't want him to get injured. Um, yeah. Now, I, how do I feel about him subbing him off, even if he feels he was injured? I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, the team won. You, you know, so that that quite frankly should be all that matters. Um, to Messi and to to Pochettino, but look. PSG, so let's just talk about PSG a little. PSG's front three <clears throat> will sort themselves out. I think there is so much talent and experience between Neymar, Mbappe and Messi for it to be a problem, for this little squabble to be a problem. So yeah, they are going to sort themselves out. The thing is, they have the best team in the world, probably in terms of, of talent. They definitely have the best front three. But... For Pochettino, this has to be the most difficult job in the world because you have he has to find ways to complement those players up front. We know Neymar, Mbappe and Messi are not going to defend at all. 
So what does he have to do? Is he going to play three defensive midfielders and just hope that Messi, Neymar and Mbappe bail him out? Or is there is he still going to try and find ways to you know, fit him? Because Di Maria started the game against Lyon. Is he still going to try and play flair players and try and be over, you know, over attacking because there's there's such a thing as as so much attack. He, he might overcompensate, you know, attacking wise, and then they get beat on the other side. Like all I'm saying is, if they are over dependent on Messi and, and Mbappe and Neymar, they are going to lose so, some games. I I think it, it's okay that they did sub of Messi in this game and they eventually found a way to win. I I think that's a good sign. It shows that they have <clears throat> other goal scorers, other match winners in their team. But that finding that balance has to be a very difficult job for for Pochettino. Yeah, you know, in the end, uh, it, no matter how big a player is, that's, this is just how I think. You should always play like to the strength of your team. You should always play, play for your team to win. So I think the only way for this to work is for Poch to find a way to integrate them into his ideology and make them play for what he wants. There's no way you want to have you would have three players on the field with them, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, and they won't be doing their defensive duties. It doesn't just make sense. It can't work. If you play you want to play three defensive midfielders, it won't still work because there will be lots of loopholes in the game and eventually it's going to have to find a way. The only way it's for it to work for me is for the players to bring down and let down their ego and actually play for the team, play together and actually want to win. Yeah, okay, so that is where we are going to end the show. Um, yeah, yeah, nice being on the show once again. Yeah, take care guys. Wonderful show. Lovely having you. Um, see you later and um, peace. It is Kieran Chippier!